Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessica Humphreys, coming to you all the way from down under in Brisbane at the World Cup, joined today by Yash Takur. And we are going to have a little bit of a check-in on some of the what's been happening at the World Cup so far, focusing on Chelsea players. We are going to sort of go through half of the Chelsea players in and around because Abdullah is going to be coming to you in a couple of days' time and he is going to update you on other Chelsea players. So we, me and Abdullah, it's like we've got divorced, but we still like each other. But, you know, we've split the Chelsea women's team um, up. You know, he's got some of them. I've got the other ones. Uh, so, yeah, me and Yash will go through some of them today. Yash, how have you been finding the tournament so far? Yeah, it's been fun. It's been really fun. Uh more better than expected i would say because seeing the crowds even at uh you know neutral games that has been really quite fun and watching some of the underdogs uh pull out results especially in the opening game itself we saw we saw an upset and some of the way uh these debutants have been performing has been fun we have seen domination from some of the top sides it's been fun it's it's at the moment it's pretty difficult to say who is going to go all the way because you know every team has shown some of it good bits and some of the bad ones as well. So, yeah, I've been finding it pretty fun, pretty enjoyable so far. Yeah, I definitely think that element of the teams, well, the gap between teams not being as big as as maybe people ex- expected has been fun. And I think also what we've seen, and, and we'll touch on once we've done some chess player chat, we'll have a bit more of a general chat about the tournament, but seeing teams like Japan or Brazil who... I think people like thought could be in and around it, but maybe didn't think would look as good as they have done. I think seeing those teams like play really well has been exciting on top of, you know, sort of Germany or Spain and, and people you might have expected to do well. Um, and I think definitely it feels like because of the, their kind of performances that it doesn't feel as simple to say, oh, you know, Spain look good, so Spain are going to win it. It feels like there's a lot of different teams who are kind of in and around an exciting level. Um, let's just get straight into it. Let's kick off in group a as we were meant to record this podcast yesterday and we didn't we're doing it the day after but we would have just watched norway draw nil nil with switzerland but i think yash and i were both just like we were sent to sleep really weren't we (laughs) weren't we by this game um not the most thrilling match uh norway have obviously already lost to new zealand so this was their, their first point um it's been a weird tournament for norway there's been a lot of drama but let's start with Guru Wrighton specifically, she's been somewhat controversially used as an eight in this, this Norway setup. What what have you made of that and, and Norway more generally? Well, I hate every bit, of, every <laughs> single second I've watched of her at number eight. Because you see, uh, in in the previous game, especially like against Switzerland, if you if you look at it, they had uh, Ada Hegerberg pulled out of the game in the last moment and they brought on Sophie Roman Haug to play in, in her place. And Haug is a, is just absolute beast in the air, right? So you need somebody who can put great balls in, uh, great crosses. And, you know, they have a ready-made solution for that. You have Guru right, and who is who has just the best possible left foot you can ever ask for. And you're playing her at eight and not even offering her the rotation necessary to go out wide and put those crosses in for one of your best aerial threats in the team. So I, I don't know what Norway are doing, honestly. Like, imagine a side with Caroline Graham Hansen, with Ada Hegerberg, with Guru Wright and Frida Manam. 
having not scored a goal at the tournament, it's pretty baffling and not pleased to say what has been happening beyond the pitch as well with, with the statements that Graham Hansen put out and then coming out a day later to pull it all back, to take it all back, saying emotions got better. It definitely felt like a saving grace sort of moment or like as if she was being held hostage to say that. But yeah, I have I have not liked a single second of Guru Raitan at eight because it is simply a misuse trying to just shoe on as many attacking talents as possible. And we know Norway is a very stacked squad. We we have known that they are stacked with attacking players. So this this internal urge of theirs to like fit as many attacking talents as you can in a lineup is working against them because at the end you need to sacrifice somewhere. And it's not like it's a very difficult choice. On the left flank, you have, you know, Julie Blackstar is great. Emile Harvey is great. But you have Guru Raitan who can play as the chance creator for, you know, one of the best strikers in the world in Ada Hegerberg or your other strikers as well who, who is good in the air. You can cross the ball hurt and Guru can do exactly that. So it's not really a difficult choice as they have seemed to, like, they have made it seem like. It's pretty straightforward. You play Guru on the left left flank. Like, I don't think that's an issue, but I don't know what is going on. I don't understand their team selection. I don't understand why. Like, every single time you see a Norway backline, it, it just feels like they're there for shits and giggles. Like, this is what I feel every time. It, it, there is every single time, every single player you see is just out of four players in the back line, it's just one playing in its natural position and everybody else is just playing all over the place. So yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> disappointed in Norway. <laughs> yeah, it's they've been about as good as I expected them to be, e.g. bad. And it is funny because they were obviously terrible at, at the Euros and I think that came that did come as a shock. But then when they appointed Hegarisa, you know, Martin Trogren left after the Euros, they appointed Hegarisa and I thought, this is such a bad idea because I watched her, you know, manage England, watched her manage Team GB. And I was like, this woman does not have a strong tactical plan. And it was interesting, Frank Kirby was doing the game for ITV in England um, and she was obviously talking about being under Risa and and she kind of very delicately said that but she was basically the weirdest manager she'd ever worked for and that Reese doesn't really talk and it's all like her assistants sort of do everything and Reese is very quiet. And I think that's the, this main frustration with this Norway team because something maybe we'll talk, talk a little bit about later in the show when we get to Germany is we've seen coaches use players out of position. Like, for example, Germany playing Huth at right back. It's not necessarily what I would do, but you... I think with Germany and Vostecklenburg, there's a plan and there's an idea there which kind of justifies the means. What's weird is like with Guru as an eight, like in the Switzerland game, I was like, if you could see her interchanging, say, with Emily Harvey on the left, I could kind of like go with it because, it, you know, we know Guru can play more centrally. She played under Risa at club level as a 10, you know, like she was playing as a 10 when Chelsea signed her. We've seen Emma Hayes use her in a sort of like duo with Sam Kerr, like... She is a tactically flexible player if you want to use her in a specific way. And Yash, what's almost so bizarre about this Norway team is it's like they've got all this talent. And I don't know whether it's because they've got so much talent, but it's like no one's told them or thought about how they should 
play together as a result it's it's a bit it's a bit tricky it's it's almost like the case of you know too many chefs spoiling a dish it's all is just the case of that like you know you look at you look at the team on paper player by player it's very difficult to find a comparable team on just on the basis of talent you're like okay you have Ada Hegelberg as your starting striker. How many strikers are better than her? You have Caroline Graham Hansen as your right wing, which is an entire issue that she did not start. You you have her as your right winger, one of the best wide creators in the game. You have Guru Raiten as on the other flank available, another one of the best creators in the game. So uh, you you have uh, Frida Manam who's coming on the back of a really good season and she can excel in that attacking role. She can excel as that eight trying to provide some support as well. So she has done that as well. She has played in, in deeper roles for Arsenal as well. So it, it's not like these players are not capable, but I think it's it's just also a lack of instruction, like clear instructions, because, because you can't see any sort of game plan. Like you spoke about Germany. I hate I also hate the idea of Ruth playing at, at right back, but the way it has played out on the field, and if you put in some of the defensive talent that they have, if they if you put in Overdorf, you can see that okay, maybe this can actually work because Ruth is in in reality, she is not really playing as the right back. She is just positioned there, but she is actually functioning as very much as a right winger, pushing really high up. And it's the other players that are compensating for her in that position. But a with Norway, you don't see that because a these players are like so out of position they don't know how to compensate for the other like because everyone is playing sort of out of position itself especially in the defensive line you have got a player capable of playing right back playing at left back you have got a player play capable of playing left back playing right back so i don't understand what is going on with that team honestly and pretty pretty disappointed also because you know, these players can make a deep run. Like, you know, the, this is a team that is capable of making a deep run and being in a group with where, you know, your competitors are Switzerland, uh, New Zealand and Philippines, you would expect uh, Norway to sort of have that upper hand in that group, but it hasn't been the case. So. Yeah, I think that's what surprised me. I don't, I didn't think Norway would go far in the World Cup, but I still had them getting out of the group and and look they might still get out of the group they play the philippines on sunday if they win and results go their way that could be fine for them um but i think regardless it's been it's been actually much worse than than i thought it would be um i actually thought against switzerland like it was bad but i think switzerland were very clever in how they played and i think they played sort of for the nil nil it was, the New Zealand game was the one that was like really awful. Um, Marimiela obviously is, is captain of this team. There's not really a huge amount to say about her. Like it's been fine. The the whole problem with these games for Norway hasn't been really that, it, you know, it's not been like the 8-0 in England. It, it's more that they just absolutely create nothing. But, you know, as you've just touched upon, Yash they're not playing against teams which are going to create loads against them. So it doesn't really matter from a defensive perspective. Um, we'll take a little ad break here and come back. So I don't want to over-egg everything, but question to start off this section on Sweden. Has Johanna Rittin-Kanerud been the best of the Chelsea players we've seen at the World Cup so far? 
okay i i think i might be in the minority here or i might upset some people but i did find her a bit wasteful in that game for sweden she was involved in a lot of action i i will give her that like she was very involved uh, all of sweden's attacks were being routed down that side with aslani uh, kanerid and uh, Aslani and Kanerid especially and Angeldal also drifting towards that side. So it was a lot happening on the right hand side. So she was pretty much involved. She was being played through or behind the defensive line and trying to put the cross in. But that final ball was kind of really frustrating for me because she attempted a lot of crosses. I don't remember any of them being accurate. So I, I found her a little bit wasteful in, in that final uh, final ball. So you know, I don't know. I wouldn't say uh, she was the best player. To be honest, I, I thought uh, we'll speak about Germany and I thought like Leopold had a, had a pretty good game for Germany. But yeah, I mean, I might be in the minority here, but I, I wouldn't say she had the best of the game. Like she was very involved. I'll give her that high volume of actions, but not always the best best action or the execution wasn't on point. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think I'm just so used to her like floating out of games to see her so involved. I was like, wow. And also really from a Chelsea perspective, it's been it's been slim pickings in terms of um, good performances. I think this award might basically be going towards Melanie Leupold, JLK or Lauren James, who only played 30 minutes or maybe just cost to be fair um but obviously with with sam out that our big our big hope of the world cup stage is gone but um yeah so canada obviously started in sweden's 2-1 win over south africa they made quite hard work of it um it was interesting because part of the reason she was involved in so many actions is that sweden almost exclusively built up down their right-hand side. And actually, I think the Swedish player who impressed me the most was was probably Philippa Angeldahl. Um, Yash, I know you, you sort of picked out Aslani as well, who, who I don't think I was quite as impressed with. But they they definitely all, as a, as a trio, sort of worked together to create a lot of attacks for Sweden. Were you surprised by the decision to sort of play down that side? Or, like, why do you think they did play down that side? Because maybe the thing that was so funny about seeing Canarid get so much of the ball, regardless of then what she did after, was that the player who on the opposite side was Friedelina Rolfo, who felt like a lot more logical player in terms of quality to play through. Yeah, uh, not really as surprised. I think Friedelina Rolfo is, uh, is not really at 100% herself. Like she has been talking about having some issues like feeling pain every time she trains and everything. So she's pushing through the pain. And uh, they did create a, a good amount of chances from the left. It was just that Fridolina Rolfo was not uh, really the wide, wide player on that side. She was playing more of like a 10, her and Aslani behind Black Stenius. And it was a uh, former Chelsea player, Jona Anderson, providing the width and creating those chances on the left-hand side. But yeah, it's been it's been the case uh, a lot of times with with Sweden as well. When uh, Sofia Jakobsen used to play that right winger sort of role and provide width, it used to be it used to be the same. It used to be Aslani drifting to that half spaces and trying to play the quick player in behind, and then them trying to cut back uh, and stuff. But yeah, this this Rolfo as a ten experiment has been going on since the Olympics, where she has been deployed as the ten. Sometimes she has been deployed as the dual ten, you know, operating from the half spaces and facilitating rather than being the one to put the final ball in. 
so it's an interesting approach uh, i think it it has to do a, a bit with also how fit rolspo is and what her fitness level is and trying to manage that through the group stage games and trying to save her up as much as possible not use her uh, explosiveness as much and not push her through that while you know they also have a great wide create on the left in yona anderson so you know they they like to use uh, Rolfo in a bit of a number 10 role uh, that has been like we have been seeing that from Jer Hudson for for a while now so yeah it's something that he likes to do I think so it, it, it fits the plan yeah and it, it, in some ways sort of losing their right backs has has helped with yeah. that because they, they've then got Natalie Bjorn playing kind of ostensibly as a right back but it becomes sort of this back three with sort of Canarid and Anderson almost as wing backs um in terms of Canarid herself what do you think she could do better in terms of, I mean, you, you talked a little about, about the crosses, but yeah, she she was very involved and I thought she was very good in terms of running onto the ball and even like manipulating the ball from the passes that, that she was receiving. I thought her and Angledar clearly had a very good relationship. Um, I don't think Stina Blackstone has helped her out particularly in terms of her movement in the box, but what would you like to see Canara doing when she was in those positions that you would feel like heightened her performance? I think she should not rush the final ball like a lot of times. And this is this is the case with a lot of players who have that uh, quickness about them, who are this rapid in wide areas. Like I have observed a lot because uh, these players, they get the first step on their defenders. They have the they have the space and the time to pick out the pass. But what they do is they rush through it. You know, like for a similar example, I would say Haley Rasso is the same. Like she would, she is absolutely rapid. She'll get on the ball, but her final ball is also equally frustrating. Like, you know, sometimes she'll play a good ball. Sometimes she'll take that extra touch. Sometimes when she should take an extra touch, she wouldn't. She just played the cross. So I think it it it's something to do with having a little more patience and picking her moment when to play the ball rather than like immediately rushing it as soon as she gets it or as soon as she attacks the byline or gets to the byline to play the ball in. I think it's it's more of a sort of a decision-making thing that she needs to pick up on. And maybe that will come, maybe that won't. I, I can't say because I've seen players who, who continue to do that, but the decision-making is always like kind of a hit and miss. Uh, I hope it is not with JRK because she's quite talented and I, I hope that decision making improves but I think that is the thing like rushing through the passes the final balls should be something that needs to be improved for on her like that has been my criticism of her all the time like that is what is like limiting her from being this really good wide creator who you know has that first step quickness has that dribbling ability has that ball carrying ability to becoming this really good chance creator for her side and very effective player from the wide areas. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think we've seen that at Chelsea, maybe actually less about in terms of chance creation, but actually in terms of goal threat in rushing opportunities in, in front of goal. And, and obviously it's not necessarily something that has to come with a wide creators game. But when you look at, for example, Guru and her development at the club, I mean, Guru was a goal scorer long before she was at Chelsea, but that's something I think that she has also really improved at Chelsea in, in the past couple of seasons in terms of what areas she gets in and, and sort of the time and quality of shots she takes, um, which is definitely something that Canada's also really missing from her game. Zatira Musevic was in goal for Sweden, didn't have a whole amount to do, but she was kind of... 
I don't know if it's harsh to say, like, she was at fault for the goal because I felt like the shot came at her very quickly, but she did also sort of just palm the ball back to, to the South African player running in who could who could tap in. Um, what did you make, if anything, of, of Musevich? Uh, yeah, like you said, not very much to draw from apart from like that very glaring error. But I think the ball also took a deflection at the last moment before it hit her palm. So she was like a little bamboozled because the trajectory changed and she had to quickly like readjust her hand. But yeah, obviously the parry was not not good. Apart from that, like she did not really have as much to do. Uh, a couple, I think one or two saves apart from that, but not really much. Distribution was all right. So I don't know, like pretty so-so game from her. Not really much to like draw from it. We'll have to see. Like Sweden's defense is not really something as it was in 2019. You know, they had a really solid defense and that is what they built on. Uh, it doesn't look like that anymore. They They got broken down quite a few times. They got beaten for pace as well. And for the longest time, it felt like South Africa might pull a point there but yeah so it's not they don't have the luxury of having a great back line anymore I feel so Musovich will be called into action a lot more going going forwards and hopefully we'll have a lot more to talk about her then <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting to see although I don't know how much action she'll get called into against Italy and Argentina because that goal that game was like watching two teams play against a force field which was on the edge of the penalty area so maybe we'll have to wait until the knockout round to see Musovic have to make any saves um let's take another ad break here and when we come back we will go through France and Germany so no Chelsea involvement in France but I thought we should talk about this anyway because I feel like this actually has been probably one of the more notable or interesting tactical decisions that has been made by a big team at the World Cup so far in terms of Eve Renard preferring Maya Lacra to Yves Perisset in that right-back role. France were held nil-nil with Jamaica. Bunny Shaw got sent off right at the very end. It was quite a fun game, to be honest. Um, but I think the Perisset absence has taken a lot of people by surprise, Yash, especially because in this game... Elise de Almeida, who had been pairing with Wendy Renard at centre-back, she dropped out at the last minute. And Lacroix is normally a centre-back. So there was an opportunity to sort of play them both. But instead, Estelle Cascarino, who famously played zero minutes for Manchester United, um, came in and played there instead. Can you tell us a bit about Lacroix for people who won't know much about her, which I think will be a lot, and about why... Potentially, Renard has looked to use her ahead of Parasite. Yeah, so Lacroix, as you said, is a centre-back for starters. Like, she has been playing for Montpellier for, for, a, for five years now, I think. And she has, like, she was a part of a of a French squad that reached the final and, you know, competed in, in the uh, under-19 European Championship finals. And she has been the talk of the town since then. Her development over the last five years has has a bit plateaued, and I I do think like she is one of the top French centre backs available from this current pool at least with Mbok not available. I think she is there probably the next best option given uh you know the shortcomings of the other options in in that position. And I have been vouching for her to get a 
get a national team start get a get a place in the national team because she deserves it she's quite quite good i did not expect <laughs> even in my wildest dream that she would get the call up she would play but it would be at right back because it does not make much sense earlier when i first saw this uh, in the in the friendly against uh, ireland i was like okay maybe they are going to do this thing where you know one of the full backs is a center back and they make a part of a back three during build up and you know you have that right side uh, combination with your midfielders and the wingers to try to create and it will be this back three trying to provide this secure uh, security to your uh, goalkeeper in defense but it wasn't like that she was given the license to bomb forward and frankly like she is not good because this is not her game and uh, against australia the last game that france played before the world cup they lost and you could see that uh, courtney wine australia's uh, left winger in that game she absolutely uh, cooked lacrar because a she does not understand the receiving angles that well for a full back when compared to to the center back because that's not her game she receives with space on either side of her while playing full back that's not the case you are barred by the touch line on one one hand so it's not really the same as receiving the ball when you're playing center back so she has not been able to cope as well with that and she struggles with pace obviously like she isn't a really aggressive uh, center back either so she likes to buy her side time she likes to you know uh, give her side try to direct the ball carrier or the shot taker away from the goal that is how she plays she is she is a sort of a cat like defender she is a little conservative and tries to organize and uh, direct the attacks away from the goal that is how she plays and when she is put in a 1v1 situation against really quick and tricky wingers that's where she will struggle so that is what happened against australia and one of the reasons i did not like that uh, move when you have eve perise available is because chance creation was not really that good for france until the final 15 20 minutes in that game where they just threw the kitchen sink uh, uh where they just, they just tried to do everything possible so yeah i mean it made no sense especially when your center back options are quite shaky as well now with de almeida who has shown great improvement in the last season but has her shortcomings as well when you have these options you can potentially play a a, a very good center back there and you have a very good right back available for you to you know like just play there and she can create chances for you as well especially now that you have also lost selma basha who is one of the prime creators for you you can have this sort of sakina kachawi and eve perise sort of full back combination that can create chances for you so it seemed like an odd decision it, like france after the managerial change for me have not been the most tactically astute side or anything the vibes have improved undeniably but they have also been pretty meh tactical tactically speaking so i don't know i i'm not a big fan of lacrar at full back people are like oh the problem with this is uh, and why i hate this is also because i really like myle lacrar as a player and i think she has a very good future at, at center back but now people will be judging her for her performances at at full back a position she is not expected to play 
and that is the viewing lens everyone will view her at. So yeah, not really happy and especially not happy given France's option in that position. So it doesn't yeah, make sense. I think that's what's so bizarre is just that it, if they didn't have any fullbacks, you'd be like, sure, you have to like make something work. Why not? Why not give her a go there? Um, it just seems really bizarre when there's someone who... Yeah, has started internationally for France at, at major tournaments. You know, at points I thought in the Euros, Eve Perisic looked like one of France's best players. You know, she, I think she's kind of shown that she can deal with the pressure equally. I think she only got better as the season went on at Chelsea. Um, and then, yeah, when you kind of watch Lacroix and sort of the, just also the general disorganisation, there's been a lot of chopping and changing in this France team and that's not Renard or their faults. But again, you know, having someone who for example, has played alongside Wendy Renard, like repeatedly, is probably a better thing to go with than, you know, trying to build all these new relationships on the fly. Um, obviously, Wendy Renard has this calf issue, so now it looks like she might miss the game against Brazil, um, which is happening on Friday. So who knows whether he'll find a different person to play instead of Eve. Maybe Eve said something to piss him off. Uh, if only Hawasasoka was on the team and she could make it in a centre-back ahead. Um, but yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Uh, let's finish off then with, with Germany. Um, Melly Leupoldt did play in Germany, 6-0 win over Morocco. Bit of a defensive disaster class in the end from them. I think this result sort of flatters Germany. But as we touched on earlier was interesting to look at how Germany was setting up, how they were building up from the back. Leupold's role in that and, you know, like what, what might happen going forward. So we had Svenja Huth at right back, which obviously Julia Gwynn didn't recover from her ACL, but it's not like they don't have more natural right back options. Sophia Kleinhern is on the bench. Um, and equally, Lena Oberdorf was ad- absent for this game. Um, and they do have like-for-like like options, you know, Lena Lapvine's around, Shukundusken, obviously, is supposed to be a holding midfielder, even though she's predominantly been used as centre-back for the German national team. But Martina Vostecklenburg went with Melly Leupoldt and Sarah de Britz sort of in this very flexible... I don't really want to describe it as double pivot, but it was all very flexible. It's quite hard to describe in, like, very, like, strict terms. Um... But Leupold's had a big role to play in this game um, and I felt like it was a lot for her to come into because it was quite a complicated setup, and she obviously hasn't been around the national team that much for the past year, understandably. What did you make about the the way Germany was setting up, Yash? It was fun, uh, you know, like I, I'm not a fan of who that right back, like I've mentioned before as well, but it was good to see them have a plan for it. And it was good to, because Germany have the players to like make anything, any sort of tactical setup work. They have such, such great profiles in the, in the squad that they can make it work. And I was, I was pretty, it was pretty fun to watch, you know, you could see it working. And at the same time, you could see the problems that would arise with it as well, because Morocco did manage to like exploit it a couple of times where they managed to get in behind the space uh, that Hoot was leaving. Uh, when she bombed forward. So it, it was fun. It, it showed, uh, you know, the strengths and the weaknesses of what can happen. And maybe a better side will test them uh, better in this regard. But yeah, it was a it was a good good game. I quite enjoyed it. And I, I also really enjoyed uh, Leopold's performance. Like it was, it was tidy. It wasn't something like really fancy. It wasn't the most dominating performance from midfield where she like 
did everything. She did not have a lot to do like defensively and stuff. But whenever she got on the ball, it was tidy. She was circulating the ball well. She was uh, recycling possession pretty well. She was, uh, you know, moving the ball forwards in the final third quite well. As uh, So, yeah, I, I pretty pretty much enjoyed it. She was holding her foot and she was doing whatever was expected. And Germany's group has them as the clear favorites. And we saw with the way they played in, in attack against Morocco that they will probably, like, go through these games like it's nothing they'll probably score multiple goals and you know that three to loss against zambia won't really stand for anything we saw that immediately inside like 11 minutes when alexander pop scored so yeah i i think we'll we'll see leopold's be an important part even after uh you know overdorf returns in the next game and i think it will be important with her experience to that will help germany to like close out games when uh, in the later on stages in in the competition as well so yeah i was pretty pretty happy with how how the game panned out yeah i feel like she definitely operated sort of as the cog as in it didn't really feel like she was doing much but sort of the spaces she was holding the passes she she was making were allowing this you know a, a lot of rotation that was going around her, whether that was like sort of De Brits moving back into right back or centre back positions, whether it was Eula Brand cutting in, whether it was Lena McGall pushing forward, it was almost like she sort of held on to that central space and allowed everyone else to move around her, which is one of those things where it's not always eye catching, but you do sort of need somebody to do it. Um okay, cool. Let's wrap it up here because one, we've got to rush off to watch Canada at Republic of Ireland because that's the problem with the World Cup it just absolutely does not stop and also because Abdullah will be with you later in the week he's going to talk through with you Australia Canada England whatever else he fancies talking to you about I don't know I'm not in control of, of what script he's going to do but <laughs> that's the things we've discussed where he's going to talk about with you um Yash just quickly Tell everyone how they can sign up for your fantastic Substack with your daily updates on the World Cup if they want to hear your thoughts every single day. Okay, yeah. If you're not bored of hearing me talk <laughs> about, about the World Cup on this pod, you can sign up for my newsletter. Uh, the link is in my bio as well on my profile, which is at Odriozolite. If not, it's dribblesandnutmegs.substack.com. That's the link of my newsletter because... I really like nutmegs and if you sign up for it, I'll probably try to put in a nutmeg video in every single newsletter. So that is the added advantage that you get. Uh, yeah. And if that's not an incentive to sign up, I don't know what is. Um, it's a really, really great read. I really recommend it. I've enjoyed it a lot, a lot so far this World Cup. Um, but I will be back to speak with you soon. Obviously, you'll hear from Abdullah. Thank you for listening as always. And until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Oh,